Let's just give it up for the band. They've been here since like two. And I just so thankful for them. And, you know, while I'm at it, I just want to honor everyone in the room. You know, it takes a village to, to do church. And I think that's the way it should be. Um, but I just don't think the people that serve uh, get enough credit around here. Um, so I would love, can we actually, Murray, can you hit the lights for a second? For me. All right. Hey, guys. Whoa. Hey, if you, ser- if you serve in any capacity around here, if you come early, you do set up, you serve with the kiddos, if you serve with the worship team, if you do sound and AV, if you stand outside with signs, if you stay after to, to tear down and put everything away, will you just stand up? Yeah. I was... All right. I know you, most of you are hating this right now, so you can have a seat. I just want to say thank you. You can hit the lights. Um, yeah, just thank you for making this place home. Uh, we literally couldn't do it without you guys. And uh, love being a part of this team and this family. Uh, I don't think I've introduced myself yet, so maybe that's a little awkward. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Cody Wason, uh, and I have the honor of serving around here as a lead pastor. And um, before I jump in tonight, just want to say, if you're a guest with us, um, just want to thank you for being here. It means a lot. You'd spend some of your Sunday evening with us. And, uh, you know, my prayer is that when you walk through these doors, that you find a family uh, that is loving and encouraging uh, as we explore what it looks like to live and love like Jesus, to see our lives transformed, to see our city transformed, and ultimately to see the cities of the world transformed. And so um, that's my prayer for you tonight, is that this is a safe space, that you feel encouraged. Um, and, I'll, and I'll just echo what Murray said uh, earlier. If you are new, you have any questions about what we do around here, how to get more plugged in, uh, would love to see you out in the lobby after the service at the next uh, table. Okay, well, hey, we are in the middle of a series called Brick by Brick. We have our own mission statement. Hopefully some of you are able to memorize it by now, even though I didn't challenge you to. Uh, put it up on the screen. This is what we're going after tonight. We are focusing on the values, on values and disciplines that each of us can build into our lives brick by brick that build personal community and city revival. So I, I love having a mission statement for a series. It reminds me as I get up here what we're going after. We're going after Jesus being glorified. We're going after our lives being revived by the person and presence of Jesus to see not only our lives and our families transformed, but ultimately to see a city transformed. I believe it. I believe it. This isn't like, this isn't just for fun, you know? I don't get up here and talk about a city being changed because it like helps me get up here and preach. I get up here and preach because I think it's worth it. I think Jesus is worth it. And I think he's got a lot of stuff for Salt Lake City that we haven't tapped into yet. And I believe that we're going to see a revival. Uh, And that's what we're going after tonight. Now, if you'll indulge me uh, for a moment, um, actually for the next 35 minutes, if you can indulge me. Um, You know, we're in this series. It's a long series. We're in it for the long haul with this Brick by Brick series. Last week, I started a little mini two-week series in the midst of it on the Holy Spirit. And I'm so excited uh, for tonight and really believe that 
you know, Jesus is going to be glorified, and we've got some good stuff to talk about. Um, but, you know, I think one of my giftings, uh, if I'm honest, and I've known it, you know, for a while, is I'm more of a teacher. And so tonight, um, for a little part of this, it might seem a little academic. It might seem a little heavy on Scripture, um, but you're at church. So if there's a place to be heavy on Scripture, then it should be here. Um, but my, my heart tonight is to, um, actually, I'm going to start off by clarifying a few things I said last week, kind of recap what we talked about, and, and then bring us back to where we're going to launch into tonight, talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, but before I do that, um, as, I, as I start this little recap of where we were last week, um, I just want to admit right off the bat that I think I did a poor job at some, uh, in some areas last week. And, uh, you know, in trying to take a very complex issue that affects a lot of people and, and has lots of different thoughts on it and trying to make it really simple, uh, I want to be the first to admit that I oversimplified uh, at least one thing that I know of. Uh, and I'm going to just kind of try to make amends for that tonight, okay? So what I want to start off, last week we talked about how around here at Antioch we believe that the uh, gifts and the fruit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are alive and active today. So I talked about in that little opening part, I talked about how there are, you know, in, in, in Christendom, in the big C church, and all the denominations and all the different believers around the world, people fall on all sorts of camps on the Holy Spirit. And some of it is unbiblical camps, and some of it, a lot of it is biblical camps, okay? And people fall all over the spectrum. Now, what I brought up last week was um, some people that would classify themselves as cessationist um, and kind of juxtaposed opposed uh, our, our view from that. And so here's what I think I did wrong last week. What I did wrong last week is I told you that essentially uh, cessationists would, would fall in a camp that say we don't believe in the Holy Spirit, whereas we believe in all of the gifts and the fruit and the ministry and everything. But what, that's not really accurate, and I think it dishonors them, and I think it dishonors anyone in the room that, that is, is trying to figure out their way on this spectrum. So here's, what, here's the more accurate representation. Cessation, there are people all over uh, Christendom, all over uh, uh, the map, that maybe um, have some trouble with a specific aspect of the Holy Spirit. Those are called the sign gifts. Okay, signs and wonders. You see all through Acts. You see miracles and healings, and, and we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. And there are those that would say, hey, I don't think those uh, uh, happen anymore today. I think those ceased, I think those miraculous signs and wonders ceased at the, uh, when the Bible was canonized, when the last apostles died, um, but I still believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that, uh, he, that He's real, and, he's, and that He has a ministry, and there's, a per, there's an indwelling, and, and there's a lot that I believe about the Holy Spirit, I just don't believe that. So if you're in the room tonight, and you felt that a little bit, I just want to say I'm sorry, because I don't want this to be a place where you feel like you can't come and learn. Uh, you know, I, I said last night, I might disagree, or last week, I might disagree with people on this, uh, but that's okay. We can still go to church together and be okay. You all with me? So, so I, I want to make sure that, 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 that we honor and give space for the people in the room that maybe are trying, maybe you're trying to figure out what you believe about some of this sign gifts and some of the miraculous, that, and that's great. You now know where we stand, and you're welcome here on your journey. But I don't want to dishonor anyone by saying, hey, if they, don't, if they don't believe fully in all the signs and gifts and, and the miraculous stuff going on, then they must not believe in the Holy Spirit at all. Because I don't think that's fair to people. Okay? But there's my little recap. 
that's where we are. Um, that's what we believe. We believe in the full um, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is alive and active today. First, uh, First Corinthians 13, 8 through 12 talks about that, that these gifts, these signs and wonders will cease when the perfect comes, when completeness comes, and it says that right now we see dim, in, in, like a, in a mirror dimly lit, but one day we will see face to face when completeness comes. That's my litmus test. That's why I believe fully that those things didn't cease. They haven't stopped. They're alive and active today because I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I want to love him more, but I haven't seen him face to face yet. Completeness hasn't come. And that's where we stand biblically on why we uh, uh, believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope tonight brings us a little bit further in the conversation to why do we pursue the Holy Spirit? Why do we talk about the Holy Spirit? Why does it matter in your life that, that there's a Holy Spirit that was promised to you? That's where we're going tonight. Um, I'm looking at my notes to make sure my recap is done. Okay. So in all things, in all things Holy Spirit related, the purpose of his ministry is to glorify Jesus and to build up the church. That's it. To glorify Jesus in your life, to glorify Jesus through your life, and to build up the church. Let's look at uh, John 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. A couple uh, chapters later, Jesus continues, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The promised Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus, to remind you and I who he is in our life, to remind you and I who we are because of who he is, and to build the church, to empower us to live the kingdom life. Now, there's two things I talked about last week. I talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, you start throwing around baptism of the Holy Spirit and people... It just makes people uncomfortable. And I get it. It's totally fair. I'm not, like, making fun of you if you're like, that's you. That's probably, in a lot of ways, me too. I mean, Murray uh, still wants to puke about giving someone a feeling like he got a word. And, and it's, it's not easy. But it's for the glorification of Jesus. And it's worth it to pursue things that aren't easy and are a little messy. So let's talk about it. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This is the Apostle Paul says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, I want to read another verse and then we'll talk about it. 1 Corinthians 12. 12 through 13. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. 
So here's, what, here's Paul's understanding of what happens. When someone calls on the name of Jesus, if you're in the room and you've given your life to Jesus, He's Lord, He's Savior, you, you believe who He is, you believe what He did for you, what Paul's saying is that moment, that believing came by the Holy Spirit, and when you said yes to Jesus, there was an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that you were sealed, like a deposit, like a little, just a little taste of what's to come. A little taste of heaven was put inside you to just remind you as a deposit, this is what's coming. This is what you've just said yes to. And then he goes on and he writes this letter to the church in Corinth and he characterizes this saying yes and this getting uh, this, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit as being baptized. He says, all of you that believed, you were baptized into the church. You were baptized in the family of believers. So can I just say something a little bold here? If you're a believer in the room, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might not even want to be. That's between you and God. But according to Paul's theology, you and I as believers, we've been baptized into the church through the Holy Spirit. You know what this means? This means there's no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. It means that you, there's no have and have-nots. If you're a believer in the room, you have the Holy Spirit. There's not like I got to reach another strata and I'll get the Holy Spirit. I got to do, I got to pray for people on the plane and then maybe I'll get the Holy Spirit. I've got to come to church so many times and then maybe you've, you've got him. I think it's a little humorous that, that you've been baptized and you might not even realize it. So there's no have and have nots. There's no second class citizens here. We have the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about what that means. But I want to now talk about, so what does it mean that when we throw out this phrase, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If anyone ever asks, you can be like, I'm a believer. Yeah, I've been baptized. That's like square one. But people talk, this, this second baptism, have you been baptized again? Like, that's a little confusing. How many times do you get baptized? So let's talk about it. Let's look at, um, let's see, let's look at Acts 1.8. Now, throw it up on the screen, and here's what I want to say. What we're about to look at is a few moments from the story of Jesus after he has defeated death and was raised again. He's with his disciples for about 40 days before he's going to go back to heaven. He's got 40 days with him. And now he's, he's, he's speaking with them, with his disciples, the disciples who knew him, loved him, followed him, believed him, left everything for him. This is who he's talking to when he says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Actually, that's, that's okay. I went out of order, but okay. Acts 1, 4. I don't know if that's, is the slide working? Thumbs up back there. Okay, cool. Can you go to Acts 1, 4 through 5? This is also in the same conversation, Jesus saying, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if we connect the dots here, I don't believe that what Jesus is saying is, hey, in a few days, you're going to be saved. Because the only way to get the Holy Spirit, the only way to be baptized is upon believing, and you don't believe yet. So wait a few days, and then you'll believe, and then the Holy, I, I just don't, I just, that doesn't, that doesn't track. 
So here you have Jesus looking at his disciples who have believed and said yes and follow him. And he's looking at them and saying, hey, in a few days, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you in power. Why? We talked about this last week. Not so you can have a cool story, not so you can become a weird person, but so you can be my witness. So Jesus says, uh, wait for the promised Holy Spirit and you'll receive power. Then in Acts 2, it happens. Acts 2, 1 through 4, so that now the disciples are together with other believers and they're doing, they're being obedient, they're just waiting. And there they were in one place, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here you go. They were promised the Holy Spirit. There they are. They're waiting with other believers for the promise that Jesus gave. It shows up in a weird way. He didn't tell them, by the way, this is how it's going to come. You're going to be together, and on this day, it's going to look like there are tongues in the room and fire. And so it's going to be so weird that everyone that's around are going to think you're drunk. It, it, it got weird for a moment. I think this is why like last week I talked about someone once said, it can, it, when the perfect presence of heaven falls on imperfect people, I mean, we just don't even know how to respond. They're acting like they're drunk. They're like, uh, this is heaven on me, and I don't know how to hold it. <laughs> and so people are knocking on the window going, what? It's not even noon yet, and you're drunk. And that's when Peter stands up, and he's been empowered to be a witness he gives his first sermon ever, the first sermon known to man, not, named, not by a guy named Jesus, and thousands are like, we're in. A couple chapters later, Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So that's just four chapters of Acts, a promise from Jesus to his followers, hey, in a few days, you're going to get the power of the Holy Spirit on you to be my witness. And it just starts happening. And it happens in Acts 2. And then it happens again a few chapters later. If you fast forward, to, uh, I, I believe it's Acts chapter 16. The Spirit comes on Paul and helps him handle a weird magician doing weird stuff. But the point that I'm trying to make here is we believe that you can be baptized. Now, here's the language. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Now, that might be a weird, because, like, we're humans, and, we, and just, we're weird, and so we're like, oh, water baptism is only one time. Uh, okay. So, when, when I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think people get a little freaked out, because they think that we're putting all our eggs in this basket, and we're going to have this moment, and someone's going to put our hand, their hand on us, and we're going to get baptized, and, we're gonna, and things are going to happen, and it's going to be weird, and we're going to fall over, or we're going to start speaking in tongues, or there'll be fire in the room, or, or we'll just, like, we don't know. And we're like, that's, and then we hold it up. We're like, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We were finishing worship right before I came on. I was, I was right back there. You know what I was doing? I was putting my hand on my head saying, Holy Spirit, I need a fresh filling. Because if I get up there and any of this is me, then I'm wasting 40 minutes of people's time. I need, a fresh, I, need, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that the words that come out of my mouth are not of me. And if they are, they fall away quickly, that they're of heaven. I didn't fall over. Like, we have to get that out of our mind. 
But you know what? If I did, I'd be okay with it. And that's the, that's the, I mean, that's the difference for a lot of people. They're like, oh, praise God, he didn't fall over. But I'm telling you right now, if I prayed over myself and fell over, I'd be like, praise God. And some of you would be like, we're never coming to this church again. And I get it. Here's what John Piper has to say about being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. John Piper is, uh, maybe he goes without an introduction, but maybe he does. So here's his introduction. He's a guy that's really good at preaching and writing books. And you probably will agree with a lot of that he says, and you probably will disagree on some. Here's what he has to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking about Luke writing the book of Acts, he says, I think when he says uh, about Jesus, I think when Jesus says you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he means you will receive extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. That's what I think he means. Extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. And that kind of empowering that we receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that every believer needs again and again and again and again. This is my recap, by the way. <laughs> so here we go. That's what we believe. And now, now so, so that, 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 there's what we believe now. Here's why I believe it's so important. You know, there's a lot of ways I could spend the next 18 minutes. There's a lot of ways I could, you know, as I'm writing this message. I mean, there's a whole series that we'll do someday uh, about all the things Holy Spirit. We'll dive in on the gifts and the fruit and the weird ones and the normal ones, the ones everyone loves and the ones some people hate. We'll just go through it all. Where does the Bible say? Why does it say it? Why do we believe it? And we'll just do it. That's a whole series, okay, and we'll do it another time. But what I felt like God was saying uh, for tonight was that there's a reality that you and I can tap into a new normal for our life in God that if we don't, then we're settling for less than we were promised, we were promised amazing. So many of us settle for a life of following God that's boring and lame and powerless because we're just not willing or we just don't know how to engage with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I want to, let's start with the big picture. Genesis 1-2. So here we go. The Holy Spirit is an equal member of the Trinity. If we're going to pursue a life of living with the Holy Spirit, in relationship with the Holy Spirit, powered uh, by the Holy Spirit, we've got to understand that he's, he's God. Equal part. Whatever translation Bible you have on your phone or in person, by the second verse, you're being introduced to the Holy Spirit. He's there as the earth was formless and empty, darkness Covering the surface, the Spirit of God is there hovering over the waters. He was there at creation. Paul goes to great length. When you read the New Testament, all the letters to the, to the churches, Paul goes to extraordinary lengths to emphasize the reality that the Holy Spirit is not a vague force that we can try to pull off of the shelf when we want to feel a little weird or feel empowered or just have a moment or an encounter, that He's God. In fact, the most, we talked about this a few months ago, the most sacred Hebrew word for God was actually a word they made up because it was so holy, and it was Yahweh. And, and so Yahweh was this Hebrew word um, that they, they created to, to describe God. The, the, the translation to Greek that Paul's writing in, he uses that translated Yahweh word to describe the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit over 120 times in his letters. 
And he refers to him with this overt and implied deity. It was so critical to Paul that you and I and the church in Corinth and the church in Rome and the church in Ephesus, they all, we all needed to understand he's not a second-class citizen. He's not like an extra on set that just gets kind of brought in for like a scene here and there, and then it's like, go back to your trailer because you're a little dramatic and we don't know how to handle you creative types. So that was actually supposed to be encouragement. I love creative types because I'm not creative at all. That was actually really condescending. So thank you all creative people in the room. You're needed. Don't go to a trailer. Um, Paul also refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ. Just all over the writings, he's God. Now, he was there at creation. We could walk through the Old Testament and walk through all the times that he's uh, present in Scripture in the Old Testament, oftentimes in the form of fire. If you read in the Old Testament and you see fire, if it's, a, if it's not a fire that people lit, it's probably the Holy Spirit. And he's alive. Now, here's the crazy thing. He was, he's alive at creation. He's there at creation. He's not just alive. I mean, he's there. He's at the resurrection, Romans 8, 11. Paul writes to, to the Romans and says, The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So now you have the spirit of God is present at creation. It's the spirit that breathed life into Jesus' body in the tomb. And now we have this promise that, it's, that he's in us. He's in us. So what does he do? I think the kids are going for it. Can you guys hear that? Oh, whoops. The kids are going for it. Here's what I want to do. I just want to, I chose a few attributes, a few promises of who the Holy Spirit is. And this is what I say, when I say the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, what I'm about to say is what, I'm, is, is what I mean by this. The ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, we are promised so much. When you study Scripture, the Spirit of God is everywhere, and He's doing everything all the time. And I don't want to settle for less. So here, before I start reading this, if, you have, if you're a note taker, get ready to take notes. Or just take pictures of the screen. But I want to ask us a question. If the Holy Spirit was who He's promised to be in your life, how would your life look different tomorrow morning? Because we go so many places searching for the very thing that the Holy Spirit has promised us he'll be. Let's look at it. This is going to go kind of fast. In John 16, the Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In John 16, he guides us into all truth. In John 3 and Titus 3, he regenerates us. In John 15 and 16, he glorifies and testifies of Christ. In John 16, he reveals Christ to us and in us. In Romans 8, Galatians 5, Matthew 4, and Luke 4, he leads us. In 2 Thessalonians, 1 Peter, and Romans, he sanctifies. In Luke, 
uh, Romans and Acts, he empowers. In Ephesians, Acts, he fills us. In Romans and Jude, he teaches us how to pray. In Romans 8, he bears witnesses that we're the children of God. In Galatians, he produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians and Hebrew, he distributes spiritual gift to and through the body. In Luke and in Acts, he anoints us for ministry. In Titus, he washes and renews. In Ephesians 4 and in 2, he brings unity and oneness to the body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, he's our guarantee and our deposit of future resurrection. In Ephesians, he's the seal unto the day of redemption. In Romans, he sets us free from the law of sin and death. In 1 Corinthians, he reveals the deep things of God. In 1 Corinthians, he reveals what has been given to God from us, or to us from God. Uh, Romans 8 and a lot of other places, uh, he dwells in us. In a lot, all over the scripture, he speaks to, in, and through us. In 2 Corinthians, he brings freedom. In 2 Corinthians, he transforms us into the image of Christ. In Galatians, he is the one that allows our hearts to cry, Abba, Father, and not that we're slaves. In Galatians, he enables us to have patience. In, in Philippians, he supplies us with Christ. In Ephesians, he gives access to God the Father. In Ephesians, he reveals the mystery of God to us. In Ephesians 3, he strengthens our spirits. In 1 Peter, he enables us to obey the truth. In Romans, he bears witnesses, witness to the truth in our conscience. In 1 Corinthians and John, he teaches us. In 1 Thessalonians, he gives us joy. In 2 Peter, he moves us. In 1 Corinthians, he knows the things of God. In John, he brings things to our remembrance. And in Acts, he comforts us. Do we need to, like, cycle back through that for a minute so y'all can take photos? Would that be helpful or hopeful? Yeah? And maybe just cycle through those uh, on the screen for a moment. Hey, and this wasn't all of them. I didn't think I'd have the stamina. But here's what I mean about how it does not make sense for you and I to try to run the race that God's mapped out for us outside of the Spirit. How many, I mean, we just look through the list. How many of us go to other things for comfort, other things for help, other things to teach, other things to guide, other things to strengthen, other things to transform, other things that will hopefully help us wait, other things to try to clean us, other things to try to help us? This is what is promised in Scripture. Oh, no. I, don't, I don't want to settle. Now, here's what Scripture also says. It says that you and I have the ability to quench the Spirit and to grieve the Spirit. And what that means is you and I have, have a choice every day if we're going to walk with the Spirit or not. Now, I've made this joke a lot of times before. Like, like this isn't a deal where I, I say yes to Jesus, I give Him my life, and then like the Spirit comes and like even unwillingly takes me places I don't want to go. Like, I'm, I don't want to be sanctified, but he just sanctifies me. And I don't want peace, but he just gives me, and I, against my will, he, like, that would be weird. Everyone's looking at me very serious. That would be very weird. Like, like in, the, in, the, in the mind of God, in the heart of heaven, we partner with the Holy Spirit, or we don't. Or we don't. This is a relationship that you and I have to build. When I get really stressed about work, I have a choice to partner with the Holy Spirit or to, you know, just turn on Hulu or Netflix 
and just wish it all away. When I don't know how to deal with, with people, when I'm having trouble, when I'm struggling with insecurity, when, I, when Kate and I are trying to figure out how to, how to best parent our kids, when there's decisions, when I don't know if I'm supposed to move there or move here or date him or date her or marry them, or, or, and we, uh, uh, we have a choice. There's one that was promised to point us back to Jesus every time. Can I just say, whoever we replace with the Holy Spirit can't claim that. I can't claim that. I cannot claim to point you back to Jesus every time. I wish I could. But I'm a human. And you're going to come to me with your problems, and I'm going to think I'm really wise because I'm a pastor. And I've got kids. And so I have all the wisdom in the world to offer you. And here, take my advice, and your life will be better. And you'll love God. And some of it's right, but it's my advice. And I cannot promise you that it will always point you back to Jesus because I'll try my best, but I'm just a guy. Your, your parents are just parents. They'll do their best, but they're not pointing you back to Jesus every time. Your best friend is your best friend, but they're not pointing you back to Jesus every time. It doesn't matter how good your best friend is. And if they're human, they're, they're going to mess up. We have a choice, and that's what I felt like God impressed on me today. What would it look like? If we started to take him at his word and start to replace all the other things and all the other ways that we try to do this, uh, walk with Jesus, all the other ways we try to get our needs met, all the other ways we try to get pointed back to Jesus and try harder and be good and be smart and be moral and be decent and be a good person and just, just be nice and we just replace all of that with, hey, you promised. You promised. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And we have to be willing. The kingdom of God has to be willing to endure just a little bit to try to make it. Here's Because here's what I know about humans. Some of you are like getting a little stirred up here, and it's great. And you're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're like, all right. He guides me into all truth. God, Holy Spirit, guide me into all truth. I don't feel any different. I'm done. Right? Like how many of us are going to be willing to go, you know what? You promised. And you know what? You promised the disciples that, th that they'd get power. I bet they weren't expecting it to come days later with tongues of fire. If they can wait and have it come in a way they didn't, uh, didn't anticipate or understand, so can I. So I don't know. When I ask God, God, fill me up. Guide me in all truth. Holy Spirit, I'm wel you're welcome in my heart and my mind. Baptize my mind afresh. I want to think like heaven. I want to respond like heaven. I don't walk out the door going, yep, I'm filled. I can feel it. Just touch me. It's there. No, but I'm like, God, you promised. And when, the, when, the, when, when at noon, when everything hits the fan, then I'll find out if I'm, if I'm walking with the Spirit or not. And then at 1 o'clock, when it's still hitting the fan, I'm going to find out, am I, like, abiding in Christ? This is, this is Jesus talking about the, the vine and the branches and us abiding, and it's everything. And I just hate that so much of, of the, the power on, that has been promised to us to overcome sin and to live the life that God promised us has been washed away because people got weirded out. I don't, like, can I just say, if you're in the room, if someone prays for you, if I pray for you ever, like tonight or any time in our future, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? I don't care what you do. 
I'm not, we're not looking for people that are going to fall over. We're looking for people that are going to follow Jesus for the long haul and to actually have their lives changed. So if you don't speak in tongues, great. Guess what? You got the Holy Spirit in you and on you, and you're called to live a life of power. I don't care that you don't speak in tongues because it's not up to me. It says the Spirit apportions gifts. It's up to Him. But somewhere along the lines, this became the litmus test. Do you prophesy? Oh, do you really have the Holy Spirit? Are you really following God? You don't speak in tongues. You never seen someone healed. You got some. You got some maturing to do. Guess what? I can be as mature in Christ as I'll ever be before I die, and not see someone healed or, or, or lay hands on them and see that. Because it's not up to me. What's up to me is what I believe and what I endure for. So, we, like, if you're in the house tonight, there's, there should be no room for anyone to leave the door and go, you know what, I don't know if I can come and be a part of this church family because they expect me to do X, Y, Z in the Spirit. Hey, my expectation is for you to, be, to glorify Jesus, to meet Him, to know Him, to fall in love with Him, to let the Holy Spirit sanctify you, to transform you more and more into the image of Christ, that you might fall more in love with Him and others might see Christ through you. And I don't care. I don't about the gifts being on certain people or certain not. What I care about is in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says we should eagerly desire the gifts. We should eagerly desire them. And that's my heart, is that we would eagerly desire a life that is empowered by the Spirit, a life where some of this stuff is just normal for us. It becomes our go-to when we need strength. We don't, we're, going, we're not calling dad or mom. We're going to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you promised I need strength, and I need guidance, and I need peace. And yeah, I'm going to talk to my parents. Yeah, I'm going to talk to my friends. I'm going to talk to Kate. But my first place has to be the promise of the Holy Spirit that's inside me that, that will point me back to Jesus every time. I have... That most, of this, most of the Christian life is about what we believe and are we willing to obey and endure it. That's it. What do we believe? Do we really believe Jesus is who he says he is? Are we really going to take him at his word? And are we willing to, to fight a little bit for it? I mean, I, I just, I'm talking to myself here. He gave everything so that you and I could have access to this life. And I, I hate that I, am, I, I, I will just give up after a prayer or two. That I will just stand there and 30 seconds in and go, you know what, I don't think it's happening, I'm out. I don't want to be that way. I want to endure so that I might know Jesus better and others might know him through my life. I'm going to go ahead and stand up. The band wants to come. You know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm passionate about Him. I'm passionate about the church being all she's called to be. But nothing, nothing comes before my heart that you and I would know Jesus and, and fall in love with Him. That's first. That's square one. Everything else, hey, let's talk about it. Let's desire it. Let's grow. Let's mature. But first and foremost, let's love Jesus with everything we've got. If you're in the room tonight and you don't know Jesus, the invitation is for you to have an encounter with him, to read the scripture, to believe he is who he says he is in your life, and to have the Holy Spirit come and dwell inside of you and take control, take the reins so that you can live the life that you were promised.
through Christ. If that's you tonight, I'm just, we're going to do a thing here in a second called ministry time. I just invite you, if you're in the room tonight, to come talk to somebody. If you're like, man, I need that. I don't know Jesus. I don't know that I know him. I don't know that I, 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 that I, that, that I have the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just come talk to someone. If my ministry leaders want to come down front to the sides, I just feel impressed that tonight we just, again, want to leave the front open. I think there's a place for every one of us at our different times in our walk to just take a moment and meet with Jesus at the altar and just repent of whatever we need to repent of and just say yes to whatever we need to say yes to, to be all in on, I don't even know fully what it looks like, but I want to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to wake up tomorrow and I want to I engage with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to Him. I want to invite Him and I want to take God at His word. If that's you, come down and let someone pray for you. Come down and meet with Jesus, whatever you need to do. And if you're in the house tonight, you haven't heard a word I said because you need healing. You got relational stuff going on. We want to believe that God can only restore our physical bodies, but our relationships and our emotional needs as well. Don't leave tonight if you've got a need. Let's let God meet it through us and through his church. I'm going to pray. Let's worship. You respond as God leads you. Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy of tonight. You're worthy of everything. You're worthy of our surrender. You're worthy of us stepping into the unknown and saying, you know what, this has always been a little scary, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to walk towards the Holy Spirit, not away from him. I want more. I want more Jesus. I want more Holy Spirit. I want more of you. So God, I just pray right now you give us the courage to move towards you and not away from you. I pray you would heal everything that needs to be healed. And in the midst of everything, we say once again that all of this is for you and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.